the Fire Within Podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset, and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back, and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Welcome, Fire Within Nation. This is the Fire Within Podcast, where we talk about all things health, fitness, and nutrition related. I'm your host, Brandon, with my co-host, Joe. Hello. We have a great guest today. She's somebody I had the privilege of working with. Her name is Leanne Gerstbrine. So tell us a little bit about what you do, how you got to where you are, and some of your background. Currently, I'm the lead health promotion coordinator for a group called the Military Sea Lift Command. So I run a health and wellness program for civilian mariners out on ship. So as far as wellness goes, it's pretty all-encompassing. We do nutrition education, physical activity education, but we also do one-on-one health coaching and even meditation classes, try to insert mindfulness as much as possible because that's really my niche. My undergrad degree is in exercise science with a minor in health and wellness, and then I have a master's in health studies. So I've always been in the wellness field and have continued to grow more and more in the wellness field, but particularly really the mindfulness component of it and getting to work with people doing health coaching one-on-one uh, to really tap into the behavior change that instills healthy habits. That's awesome. Now, what are the parameters for the people on this ship? Like how long are they there for? Yeah, so it can be anywhere from four months to one year. And when they're out at ship, sometimes they're out in the middle of sea and we can't even reach them. They don't have service to pick up and call home. So it's definitely a unique population. Yeah. So that's where that meditation and stuff could really help because I'm sure they go stir crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. They do not have an easy job. I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah. What are some of the more common things that they deal with? Were you really helpful for? Mm-hmm. So job satisfaction is very low there, which is a multifaceted issue, right? <laughs> There's a lot of things that go into that. So we try and touch on the mental health component as much as we can. Aside from doing things like sending out exercise programs and nutrition advice, with the one-on-one work I get to do with people, we're taking it a layer deeper than just telling you what to do. Because a lot of times we know what we should be doing, these guys included, we're just not always doing it. And that's where I come in or a behavioral health coach really comes in. Yeah, to build that accountability in those small habits. If you just start working with someone on the ship and their job satisfaction is low and their health is poor, where do you start? At the basics. So we start, they really do most of the talking. So when I'm meeting with them, they're sit down sessions and I ask them a lot of questions to hopefully get a good feel for where they're at in their health and wellness and then where they would like to be. And then slowly we start to fill in that gap. And we do that by talking about the things that they're currently doing that are serving them or not serving their health and wellness and the things that they know they could be doing to help them get to where they want to be. And then also the things that they are doing that are not serving them. So not only are we talking about instilling new healthy habits, we're also really working through removing these habits that are no longer serving us. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, do they also have equipment on the ship for working out or anything like that? Do they have a gym? Yeah. So some of the ships do. MSC has about 55 to 60 ships total. So some of the ships are bigger than others. Some of the ships do and some of the ships don't. And that's certainly a barrier, especially for ones that don't have great exercise equipment. They don't even feel like they have the means to work out like they want to. And sometimes on ship, it's wobbly. Like I hear stories of guys running on treadmills and it 
is swaying like this. So it's not easy. Yeah. I don't know if you were there. I don't know if we worked together, but I used to look at my watch on the treadmill and I'd fall off. Yeah, yeah, I have to keep my like tunnel vision. <laughs> they tell me I have to start wearing a helmet to use those things. <laughs> so if you add the ocean in with that, I'm sure it gets even crazier. We need two helmets at least. Yeah. <laughs> now tell us a little bit about your personal story. What, what brought you to health and fitness? I was a college athlete, so fitness and wellness has always been a part of my life. I like this question because I think for a lot of people, and I think you can attest to this, it is a transformative moment. Like, and some people have experienced these like aha light bulb moments. And for those of us who that's not the case, it's a more gradual process, which has really been my own story. Gradually instilling healthier habits that better serve me, but it starts out so small and then they just gradually add up over time. So I didn't have one huge transformation story. I've always been active and into wellness. However, I have not always done things that have served me and taking the time to really explore that and now getting to help others explore that has been more of my path. When you say the word transformation, I think some people feel like it's a switch and everything happens at once, but typically it's, that's just the spark. And then there's this gradual process that takes time. Yeah. You know, for me, it was like a three to four year period of consistently doing the right thing again and again. For you, did you have stints within that three to four year period where you would fall off the wagon and then get back on? Oh, uh, yeah, that would happen, especially around the holidays or injuries could really plague people. And when I was going through that, I was a middle school and high school band director. So I didn't have an exercise background. I had no idea what I was doing and ended up with knee surgery, piriformis issues, shin splints, metatarsal fractures, on and on. It was like every month. And that definitely made it difficult. The knee surgery really set me back. I probably put on 10 or 15 pounds because I was eating the same as when I was marathon training. And, and I didn't understand about the quality of food. I knew how to count calories. So it took a while to figure that out. But that injury forced me to become more aware of my nutrition and end up pursuing education in that. But certainly there's ups and downs. And then even this past year with my dad dying, I put on probably 15 pounds. And it's coming back off now, but between the travel, taking care of my mom, I spent a solid month in the car going from Cary, which is near Raleigh, back to Rocky Mount daily, checking on my mom, checking on my family. You eat what's there. There's no time to plan. And I think everybody goes through those periods, but in, in 10 years, I've kept most all the weight off with very subtle fluctuations. And uh, there's seasons in your life. Right now, I'm in a hyper growth season of my business where I'm working crazy hours and I'm not prioritizing sleep at the moment, but that'll come. N normally I do, but we're also, I'm married now and we're, we're trying for a baby. And I know that there's a lot of health implications for not getting the rest and recovery I need. So it is a balancing act, but I'm going to push the envelope a little bit harder right now, get my business to where I want it for this next phase, and then I'll back back off. So there's ups and downs for everybody, even a nutrition coach and personal trainer. Yes, so true. And I ask that because, and I think so much of what I do is exploring like those setbacks or whatever we want to call them are inevitable. But when we can change our relationship to them, then that's where so much of our growth lies. And so a setback can be anything from as little as I'm trying to lose weight and I had a dozen donuts yesterday, whatever it may be for you. I'm less interested in that and more interested in the way that you're speaking to yourself after you do that. Is it like, oh man, I failed again. I can't do this. I don't have any willpower. 
And then that just feeds this perpetual loop of, I don't have the willpower or I can't do this. Or is it, I'm a human being and I slip and how can I now do something for myself or get back on the wagon? They're just two, the same thing. They're two thoughts, but see how one leads to better action than the other. And so there's so much value in exploring the thought process behind it all. I know for me, the most common thing I hear is I had a bad meal, so I said, screw it, and I'll just start next week. What kind of things help your clients or what do you tell them in order to change that dialogue in their head? Yeah, I know that's funny. I have clients who call it the oak buckets. Like I've had a company <laughs> that have the rest. <laughs> it's so relatable. It's so true. Yeah. I first start asking them to pay attention a, to what they were thinking and feeling prior to going in. So now we're talking about binge eating. So we'll just keep using this example. Were you stressed out? Were you bored? Those are two very common things that lead to binge eating, right? Uh, so we want to know, A, what's causing it, and then B, talk to me about what you're thinking after, how you feel after. Do you feel sluggish? Maybe you feel recharged. Maybe your body just really needed that. How do you, yeah, let's tap into how you're feeling and what you're thinking, because then that is what leads to action and the action steps that you will take then moving forward. I'm curious with the guys on the, and the women on the ships, can they binge? There's not a Burger King on the ship. Like <laughs> it's a pretty controlled environment, isn't it? Or is it not? No, that's a good question. And a lot of guys and women lose weight on ship because they don't have access to Burger King. <laughs> Not everyone has that experience, but a lot of them do because they're working long hours and they don't have the opportunity to just sit down and numb out in front of the TV all the time and eat. However, the food on ship, the quality isn't great and the, their portion sizes aren't regulated. So they can always go back up for second, thirds, fourths, whatever that looks like for them. Todd Dining Hall at ECU. They had premium night and they had the Cherry's Jubilee ice cream and all you can eat steak and shrimp. And it was just nuts. And so I'd have four entrees in one sitting. It was, it was insane. Yeah, that's pretty stupid amount of food. Yeah. <laughs> but it tastes good. Yeah. yeah, it's not bad. Now, going right. back to what you're saying about trying to figure out what were they feeling at that time, it sounds a little bit like cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, CBT. And usually there's a, a map, like a bubble map, where we try and figure out how to reverse engineer the bad action. So the bad action would be a like crap, right? So now why did you eat like crap? I was bored. Why were you bored? Because you had nothing to do. Why did you have nothing to do? Whatever, because I'm stuck on this ship. And then we'll try and get back to it to where we go far enough to where they have a choice to go in either direction. And that sounds like what you do with them on the ship with trying to get, why did, you know, why did you feel this way? So meditation, for instance, could be a way for them to feel different. Is that kind of the route you take with them? Yeah. And so you bring up a really good point. I'm a big proponent of meditation. It's been huge for me. And it's a mindfulness practice. And because mindfulness is exactly what you just defined, right? It's being aware of our how we're, our mind is functioning in the moment, our thoughts and feelings, being mindful. And meditation is a great way to tap into that. So I will always encourage meditation. Um, but any mindfulness practice, and sometimes it's frequent check-ins, having someone else say, hey, how are you feeling right now? To at least get that mindfulness muscle trained, because it's a muscle just like any other muscle in our body. It's something that has to be practiced and trained and developed. Yeah. Are there specific mental activities that, that you give people so they have something? Because a lot of people, it's a lot to wrap their mind around if they didn't grow up. Because I didn't grow up with this idea of meditation. 
first time it was introduced was my college professor. And I said, no, I'm a Christian and I can't do that. And like, all he wanted me to do is listen to one note on the piano, but I was so closed off to it. And now I teach yoga and all kinds of other stuff. How, if somebody's brand new to meditation, what do you start them with? Five minutes. I recommend the Chopra app, uh, but there's a lot, there's so many good uh, meditation apps out there. But I say, just try five minutes today or five minutes every day this week. See if that works for you, you know? And what are they uh, doing with those five minutes? What are they supposed to be guiding themselves through? Mm. So I think the most common thing that I hear with people in meditation is like, I just can't get my brain to shut off. I'm not good at it. And even that, you're practicing mindfulness because you're being aware of, hey, I'm noticing my brain. I'm noticing that it's not stopping. Um, One of my favorite meditation acronyms is easy. So we're like easing into it. It's an acronym that I read in a book called Blissmore by Light Watkins, who is a meditation teacher. Acceptance, surrender, and yielding. And I skipped the E because I can't remember it off the top of my head right now. (laughs) But it's that. It's just noticing when your mind is wandering and then bring it right back. And I'm not a meditation teacher, but I will always encourage meditation and always refer out. Yeah, I think the Headspace app does a good job too. And it actually has this animated video when you start it and all these thoughts it talks about being just cars passing on the highway and you're just observing that the cars are there. Um, and that's bringing uh, some level of awareness and that's a good place for some people. And then I find breathing added with that seems to make a huge difference. Yeah, I just focusing on where you feel the breath coming in your body and where you feel the breath coming out of your body. Yeah, in through the nose, out through the butt, right, Joe? <laughs> I haven't mastered that one. <laughs> but, but no, um, and there's so many benefits because it oxygenates the bloodstream, which helps lower adrenaline and norepinephrine and all kinds of stressful hormones. So even some of my clients, if I can't get them to think about anything, usually I can give them some counting structures and some breathing, and it really does make a big difference. Not only that, but it also, it helps separate us from our thoughts. And, and especially these judgmental thoughts we may have towards ourselves when we're trying to change habits, and especially when we're trying to change them and we're not always successful, it removes that judgmental piece of it because it puts so much space between ourselves and these thoughts. And that's so important, especially when these thoughts we have aren't necessarily serving us. Right. Now, somebody who's new to the verbiage serving us, let's break that apart. Um, Yeah. How would you break down different categories, the the categories of serving versus not serving? Let's make it very simple. Is it the way that you're speaking to yourself? Is it a way that you would speak to a friend? Yeah. Uh, serving thought would be it's the way you speak to a friend. A not serving thought would be it's, it's probably mean. You probably wouldn't even say it out loud to somebody. Yeah. Uh, serving thoughts usually lead to positive action. Maybe they just cause us to go for a walk because we want to feel good. Uh, maybe it means giving ourselves a bubble bath because we want to do something for ourselves, whatever that looks like. And then, of course, the flip side of that, not serving thoughts would be things that often lead to things we're not necessarily proud of. So I really like the one of those first things you said, using the filter of, would you say this to your friend? Because typically, if you met them out for an outing, you wouldn't say, I can't believe you ordered another beer, dumbass. Uh, so, but I could definitely see myself going, I said, I was going to have a second beer. I had a second beer. That's a lot of calories and a lot of wheat. No, I think that's good. Cause if you're constantly treating yourself that way, you're increasing norepinephrine and adrenaline and you're not breathing as much, you're tightening up and that has a whole chain of reactions. So it's hard for us to remember that. And is there any kind of cueing technique 
but to help catch yourself when you're doing it. Because we think all day long, it never stops. Yeah. That's such a good question. I would first reiterate that it's a practice, right? And feeding ourselves up when we're not doing it. Every time you hear that thought or hear this language with yourself, you get to cut yourself on the back because you're like, hey, there's my, maybe you've been practicing meditation. So you're building this mindfulness muscle and you're like, hey, I'm aware of things that I wasn't aware of before. Let me give myself a pat on the back for that. And the whole idea, like we'll never get rid of these negative thoughts or these things that don't serve us. What changes is our relationship to those thoughts. Yeah. And I think there's a big parallel with that and habit change. So for instance, I still have cheat days, but my cheat day now looks a lot different than it was 10 years ago. So 10 years ago, it was Todd Dining Hall, all you can eat four bowls of Cherry's Jubilee ice cream. And now my cheat day might be coconut ice cream with honey, better sugars, less amount. So I think there's a, a gradual evolution of that. And the same thing with your thoughts. So maybe right now your bad thought is, hey, you're a dumbass to yourself. And maybe it goes, man, I can't believe you did that, but at least the language has improved and now you're treating yourself. So that's still an improvement. I don't know if you guys remember, and they were really popular ads on Instagram, at least on my feed a while back of these, this device that you wore as a necklace, but backwards, and it would vibrate on the, on your back when your posture got bad. Oh yeah. You're talking about having a cue. I have heard some people say like with negative voices, it does help to personify it. Give it, give your alter ego who's a douchebag a name. <laughs> and so you can be like, hey, shut up, Todd, or whatever. <laughs> like, no offense to any comments. Like uh, that movie Venom with Ryan Hardy or whatever's, I'm bad with Tom movie. Hardy. That guy, one of the Hardys. And, but he's got that alter ego alien symbiote thing. So I think it's such a cool personification of what kind of goes on in our head. And that guy's a total jerk, right? Right. And it removes you from that. It puts so much space there. Yeah. Now I got to think, what would I name my guy? <laughs> like a Chad. <laughs> He's a Chad. <laughs> We're just randomly offending just individuals when we kind of feel like, what's a terrible person's name? I just got a referral from a Chad. <laughs> I feel like such a jerk right now. Boom. That's funny. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not meant to be used as medical advice. Consult your doctor before implementing any health or exercise changes. The Fire Within encourages you to do your own research and aims to spark interest and motivation to a healthier lifestyle. Have you ever felt like you were just throwing weights around like an idiot at the gym, hoping to see some results? Or after weeks or months of working out, notice that the scale just isn't moving? You wouldn't cook without a recipe. So why would you train or start a weight loss program like the Swedish chef randomly throwing ingredients into a pot? You need a sustainable plan that's science-based and attainable. Fire Within has worked with thousands of clients and helped them reach their goals. So visit firewithinnf.com today. Get yourself the free ebook, read the testimonials, and choose a service that works for you. Choose from services like one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching, one-on-one -on -one personal training, and more. Again, that's firewithinnf.com. It's so gradual, right? It's so gradual. And when we really acknowledge that, then too, it makes us not beat ourselves up when we are not positively talking to ourselves or we're not all the way there yet, whatever that even means. Because it's such a gradual process. I don't think anybody ever gets all the way there. Right? Just keep continuing to try and improve it. Right. Yeah, you never eradicate those thoughts or feelings. Yeah. 
Yeah, same thing with anything. You could always improve something somewhere. Right. And it's a never-ending battle, but worth doing because your quality of life continually increases while you do it. Yeah. And it's not the intention to eradicate it. Like they're there for a reason. And as soon as we can just befriend them, then that's where I think a lot of people see really good positive change or a lot of growth. Now that's a good point uh, and a good flip side of the coin. If we didn't have thoughts, negative thoughts, they're the kinds of things that goes, I probably shouldn't eat that mushroom. It could kill me. So if everything was happy, go, oh boy, let's eat this and let's jump off that cliff. It'll be fine. So they have their place. They're there to protect us. So I guess the challenge is, I guess, noticing when it, when that balance is way off to where it's harming you more than it's helping you. Mm -hmm. Interesting paradigm there. Right. And almost any thought. So I'm going to use the relationship between temptation and empowerment. And I'm using this because I just was hearing about this, a guy named Gary Zukoff, but a really good correlation between temptation. So we'll go back to the binge eating. I really want to sit down and eat a little pizza. Every time we feel a temptation, we might get frustrated with it. Oh, I feel this way again. I wish I didn't. But every time we don't give into it, it strengthens our empowerment muscle. Like I felt this temptation. I know that giving into this right now won't serve me. So I'm going to choose to not do it. Or I'm going to choose to do something else. And then gradually, every time we build that, we strengthen our own confidence. We strengthen our own level of empowerment with ourselves. Oh, that's a very good point. I never thought about it as those, that paradigm and, and feeding one grows because it's give and take. It's they're not going to stay stagnant. So you're either increasing one or, or while decreasing the other or vice versa. Now, do you have some anecdotes with your clients that have made really big changes, whether it be on the ship or in previous job applications? And then what were some of the challenges and what were the steps that you took them through to get them to where they were happy? I would say the biggest, one of the biggest challenges is people, we get really gung-ho. Oh, I want to change. I'm ready. So we want to jump right in and change everything all at once. Yeah. And also that's usually when it doesn't work. So on the flip side of that, the most, the biggest success stories we've had, I've had are seeing people who are willing to implement patience. And most of the time that looks like people who are willing to commit to just one small change a week. Yeah. That's it. And that's all you have to focus on that week. It might be as little as meditating five minutes every day or drinking water first thing in the morning. It might be that little. It might not be, um, but it's so subjective and because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So no matter where you are on the spectrum, how far or close you feel from where you want to be, the people who always seem to be the most successful are the people who are willing to take it step by step, really little baby steps, break it down to build up not only positive change, but build up your confidence as you are gradually hitting these new goals. A lot of people look first for weight to change. And mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a whole slew of habits before that needle even budges. What are some other metrics that you want your clients to see to, to help them know that they're advancing in the right direction? Yes, their relationship with their mind, their relationship with their thoughts. Every time that they breathe themselves a little less than they maybe did a month ago. Every time that they accept that setbacks are part of the process and see them be so much kinder to themselves, which then results in them bouncing back way quicker because they're so interested in serving themselves. The language is no longer, I just don't have the willpower for this or I'm just a failure. No, we all have setbacks. So let's really tap into how we're dealing with those. Now, on a more personal note, tell us a little bit about your 
personal exercise and nutrition routines, exercises you enjoy, how is it sustainable? And then do you have to fight with yourself sometimes to have motivation to do the right things? And how do you combat all that? Yeah, yeah, good question. So the exercise piece of that, fortunately, I've always been active. That's a piece that I don't struggle with. We'll get to the piece that I do, but (laughs) things that work for me right now, a really consistent morning routine. Every time I'm home, first thing I do when I wake up is I meditate for 30 minutes and then I'll go for an hour long walk and getting to be outside and I'll listen to a podcast or music or sometimes it's just in silence, uh, but starting out my day that way. And I love to walk. That's one of my favorite exercises, movement. Other things I enjoy as far as exercises, running, yoga. I like to dance. Sometimes my workout is just putting on music in my room for 20 minutes and dancing. But it's really being like, what do I feel like today? What is my body craving today yeah. um, is it body weight exercises and sometimes it's nothing and i try to honor that as best as i can too yeah or an hour of dippy birds just kidding <laughs> my favorite so if i dance my wife tells me to stop because i'm scaring the children that's awesome to hear from somebody who's a fitness expert who's got a pretty healthy life because a lot of people think if they can't get to a gym and work with all this fancy equipment if they're not doing squats and deadlifts and treadmill and then they're not exercising. So it's refreshing to hear that doesn't have to be your entire exercise output. Right. And there's a lot of different options depending on your personality and what you like. Yeah. Yeah. It's just finding what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. How about the parts you're bad at? Yes. (laughs) I love food. I totally get it. I get why people want to sit down and binge eat. And I still struggle with that. Yeah. Uh, previously, like when things were going on in my world, what to just sit down in front of the TV and binge eat. And I had a day last week where I did that. So I still struggle with it. I get it. Uh, when I feel that temptation, I'm at the point now where I can check in with myself and be like, okay, what am I feeling? And sometimes I let myself be like, you know what? I just, I want an hour to not think about anything and I'll get back to this. And other times it's, no, I can, I have the space to sit with this right now and let myself feel it. And that is, is hard to do in the moment, but in the long run, that's definitely always the more, the more beneficial route. It's, it, it helps me feel it and then move on from it. But I would say almost any food is my weakness. I love food. And so I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you have a favorite cheat food? Oh, I mean carbs. Like, <laughs> all, yeah. all of them all the time. <laughs> all the carbs all the time. With yours. Oh man, it changes a lot. I like cheesecake and there's a restaurant in Holly Springs called Christo's Bistro and whatever they're doing there, he makes this cheesecake and he puts crystallized sugar on top and creme brulees the top and it shouldn't be legal to serve that. So right now that's my favorite dessert. And I had some bourbon whipped cream over Thanksgiving that a client gave me. That was really good. That sounds delicious. So everybody has teeth foods. Everybody has struggles, uh, no matter who you are, even Dwayne, the rock Johnson, I'm sure. Now, if you had three things to tell somebody that's trying to make a positive health change, if you're going to tell them three things, what would they be? So one would be one thing at a time. Like we just talked about trying to just pick one thing this week that you want to commit to and just stick with that. The slower the process, oftentimes the better. So one would be just focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. Two would be, again, like we talked about, really developing this mindfulness muscle. Like I said, for me, meditation has been instrumental in helping me do that. But whatever that looks like for you, let yourself explore that. What helps you get in touch with how you're feeling in the moment? 
um, because that's so critical. Our thoughts and our feelings shape our actions and then our actions are shaping our lives. So let's start at this thoughts and feelings level and try and become as aware as we can as around how we're feeling and what we're thinking and what's leading to action. Yeah, that's awesome. Then piggybacking off of that one for number three, I would just say acceptance of for the whole process, right? From all of these negative thoughts, um, accepting that they're part of the process too, because then when we're in full acceptance, when we're experiencing them, we're not judging ourselves for experiencing them. Yeah. I think one of my favorite graphics I've ever seen, I still pull out sometimes and show people is here's what people think success looks like. And it's just a straight diagonal line upward. And then here's what success really looks like. It's a freaking roller coaster. But from point A to point B, its trajectory is still going up. Yeah. But it is tons of ups and downs. That's a great one. Yeah. Now, if people wanted to get in contact with you, learn more about the coaching services you offer, how would they find you? Yes. So on Instagram, Leah Gerstrine, I can spell that out because it's long. L-E-I-G-H-A-N-E-G-E-R-S-T-E-R-E-I-N. Or if you are interested in behavioral health coaching, it's usually a three-month process. And you can shoot me an email at leegehealthcoaching at gmail.com. Awesome. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. Uh, We really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your insight with our listeners. And I look forward to hearing from you in the future. Yes, I appreciate y'all and thanks for having me. This was great. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you got a lot of value out of today's episode. If you did, uh, go check us out at firewithinnf.com. You can subscribe to our newsletters and make sure you never miss an episode or any other content. Also, be sure to follow us on social media. 